the song that I'm about to share with you when Babby Mason sings it, she says that we're all either a missionary or a mission project. And I see the, the Bible workers theme is every house into the last home. And I just want to tell you that even if you're not in the Bible Workers Guild, that each one of us can do our part to reach someone else and tell them about the love of Christ. Jesus loves you so we must tell someone who will tell someone until the whole world knows and each one can reach one as we follow after Christ we all can lead one we can lead one to the Savior and together we can tell the world that Jesus is the way if we each one reach one so will you go and labor Will you hold out your light one by one and two by two? We can win this world for Jesus Christ. So each one can reach one as we follow after Christ. We all can lead one, we can lead one 
God, each one reach one. Here we are, everyone, the 30th annual Big Rally Bible Instructors Guild. I've heard about this. This is the first that I've participated, attended uh, this rally, and I think this is a good idea. This is a blessed idea. I was just speaking to Pastor Mitchell and I said, you know, I have um, seen in various places um, they're trying to do something similar to this, but it's very hard, very hard. You know, but to see that for 38 years, this Bible Instructors Guild is still going strong, is very good and I applaud you I thank God, I praise God for the work that you have done and what God is doing through you. And I believe that as we climb through the years until Jesus come, uh, we will do our part in depopulating hell and preparing a people for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to thank uh, God for the leadership of our beloved, bold president, Sister Betty Glenn. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I want to thank God for the local chapter leader, Sister Bobby Vaughn, here in Vegas. Let us put our hands together for her. And Sister Bobby, uh, it is not time to retire. It is not time to retire. She has that retirement talk. It is not time. You're doing a great job. Praise God. Uh, it is so great to be in the presence of uh, Pastor uh, Bobby Mitchell. I thank you. Thank you very much for your leadership. Uh, it is truly a blessing to know that uh, the regional work can be coordinated in such a fashion um, under your leadership and also under the leadership of Pastor Palmer. Uh, it is uh, good to see uh, that we are able to accomplish so much when we work together. Amen? And that is the thing. It is working together. When we work together, we're able to do great things. When we cooperate with the Lord and allowing the Lord to use us, good things come about. It is when a house that is divided, when a church that is divided, when a city that is divided among itself, it is when that happens, the Bible tells us that it will fall. Amen? 
And so we need to uh, stay united in the Lord. Uh, this morning, I've entitled my message, our theme, Every House Until the Last House. Every House Until the Last House. And uh, this is a spirit-led movement. And I want you all to understand this. It is not by any man. It is not by any woman. It is by the Spirit of God. Amen? I'd like you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 6. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 6. When you have found this, I'd like you to say amen. amen. Luke chapter 10. Verses 1 through 6. The Bible says in the King James Version, And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face in every city and every place, whither he himself would come. Therefore, he said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lamb among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor scrip, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And in whatsoever house you enter, first say, Peace be unto this house. And if the Son of Peace is there, your peace shall rest upon it. And if not, it shall return unto you again. Father in heaven, we ask that you will bless your people. We ask that you will bless your words as it connects with your people. We pray, Father, that you will bless the preacher, that you will give me the strength, give me the power, and that as your words come from my lips, it may not be my words, but it may be yours, Father, sanctioned by heaven. I pray that you will bless us now. As we enter into this discourse, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen, amen. And we see a dilemma in this scripture. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, the Lord sends out 70, and he sends these 70 out into the field. But if you analyze this very well, uh, Jesus sends them ahead. He sends them ahead because Jesus knows that he is coming afterwards. And so Jesus is a God of preparation. He sends these 70 out into the field to till the soil. He sends them out to prepare the ground, the terrain, and, and he wants them to make ready for his coming. 
because Jesus himself is coming with his disciples. You see, Jesus was an intentional God. Uh, Jesus practiced the law of intentional implementation. You see, Jesus knew what he was dealing with. He knew that he was a radical among uh, these religionists, uh, these individuals that were traditionalists. And Jesus, yes, he was a radical. You see, uh, you see Jesus, he was one that was going against the grain. Uh, Jesus, when he stood forth in the town square and preached, when he went from house to house, the Pharisees weren't doing that. They wanted everyone to come to the synagogue. They wanted any, everyone to admire their fancy worship. Uh, they wanted everyone to admire them and uh, their high degrees and how much they know. They wanted worship to be centered around them. But Jesus came and he turned it upside down and he says, the worship must be centered around me. The worship must be centered around my message. The worship must be a movement. The worship must have a mission to it. And so Jesus was a radical and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they hated him because he was doing things that no man ever did. He defied the odds. You see, Jesus, when he stepped forth and he opened the word of God and he showed the word of God, they saw the power of God emanating through Jesus. And I have to tell you that anyone that was connected to Jesus received this power. All the disciples received the, this power. And anyone that was casually uh, connected with Jesus and that did not receive this power, something was wrong. Remember Judas. I want you to understand with me what Jesus is doing here because he is showing us a model for success. If we practice the methods of Jesus, we can never go wrong. It tells us that the Savior's method, it's the only thing that brings success. As Jesus mingled with men, as one who desired their good, as he showed sympathy to these men, he won their confidence. And after winning their confidence, he bade them, follow thou me. It is very important for us to present Jesus. Growing up in the church, I realized uh, something that it is possible to have the 28 fundamental beliefs, to preach the 28 fundamental beliefs. It is possible to come to church every Sabbath, to attend every Wednesday night prayer meeting. It is possible to be a seven-day Adventist religionist. It is possible for you to be a Christian and you practice all of these things, all of the rituals, but you don't know Jesus. It is quite possible. And I realize this, that there are many of us here, uh, we are walking around, we have all the truth, we have all the knowledge, but we have no Holy Ghost. 
And without the Holy Ghost, we cannot bring our religion, we cannot bring our Christianity, we cannot bring our relationship to the next level. And Christ wants this to take place in our lives. And so when Jesus sent out the 70, the 70, he gave them specific instructions. And he told them that the harvest truly is great. There is a harvest of men and women truly is great. They're great. There are so many, but the labors are few. There is not, there are not enough. Can you imagine Jesus when he walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem and Hundreds throng around Jesus, hundreds touching him, calling on him. He was the, the most popular thing in that area because they never saw the dead resurrected. They never saw anyone just, you know, just by a touch, you know, the issue of blood dried up and sickness was bid no more. Blind was able to see. They never saw that. And so when they witnessed this, they said, surely something, something is with this man. But in spite of all of this, we realize that Jesus, he pulled together 70 and sent them out. But we see at the, even at the end of his ministry, when he told the apostles, the disciples to go in Jerusalem and wait for the promise, only 120 assembled thousands he ministered to hundreds he healed but at the end of his ministry only 120 assembled together Jesus told his disciples that listen you're going to do greater works right because the Holy Spirit is going to come up on you you see Jesus knew that you know he can just do so much now Jesus could have done everything he could have come down and says, I am God. I'm just going to take this work. And he could have beamed across this globe and done the work himself. But Jesus recognized that if I'm going to show them this example, I need their hands. I need their feet. I need each and every one of them that each one will reach one. From the pen of inspiration, Ellen G. White, she talks about that where one person stands, where one Christian stands, a hundred people can be attracted just from that one person. If one person is willing to be used by the Holy Spirit, yes, I mean you. Uh, you that is, uh, that's thinking that you don't have a gift. You that think that you cannot even say a word. You that believe that you don't have the eloquence to speak and to convince. The Lord can use you to win a hundred people. If we allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us. But the fact of the matter. You know, we are walking scared. We are afraid. We are afraid of rejection. We are afraid that someone will be looking at us and say, well, you are queer. Where are you from? You know, you know, we are afraid of that. 
But Jesus knows very well that if we call upon him, if we call upon the power of God and we are used by God, great things will occur. And so we see that as Jesus pulls these people together and he sends them out, he gives them specific instructions. He tells them, yes, listen, I don't want to lie to you. You are going to be like lambs going among wolves. I remember a few years ago, uh, my wife and myself, we had a very active um, youth group. And we were walking around a, a certain section of Montreal and we were knocking on doors and so forth and telling people about the upcoming campaign that we were going to have. And, and we were so zealous, you know, and we went to a little house, knocked on this house. And we were just so eager to share the word of God, having our tracks in hand and, you know, eagerly waiting to see who is going to emerge on the other side of the door. And we saw this very tall man, huge tall man, and he had a cowboy hat, you know, and he towered over us. And we heard the deep, evasive bass voice that says, you see that road? You better hit it quick. And I'm telling you, we, we turned around and we ran for our lives, right? You know, and, and Jesus, he didn't promise that everything was going to be smooth. You're going to meet some wolves along the road. You're going to meet some bears along the road. And some of us will be bitten. Some of us, yes, we will be persecuted. And, but let me tell you that he says that I will be with you. He will give us the experience, but God says that I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's the kind of God that we serve. You know, I, I'm, I'm just amazed, you know, what it's going to be like, the experiences when we get to heaven. And we're going to talk about that time when we met in Vegas. We're going to talk about the time when we combed the streets of 89106. Uh, ministering to the 9,400 people that is within the vicinity. We're going to talk about this time, the, the experiences. We're going to talk about the good and the bad. But one of the things that's going to be so enjoyable is when we see those that came about by your ministry, just your willingness to go. Just your willingness to go and knock on doors. Just your willingness to go and lift a track and say, hey, God loves you. Receive this. Just that. Someone will emerge. Praise God. You know, and so, folks, we got to understand. We got to understand what we are here for. Uh, we, we don't just have this church just to you know, come and, and, and just, you know, have a little fellowship and have a little lunch and then check out. You know, uh, the aim that God has put us in here is to minister to every single person around here. And so I was so excited when Sister Bobby Vaughn called me up and told me about this. And I said, I didn't even know this existed, you know. And I, I was so intrigued. And I will tell, I was actually saying that, you know, I want to see how many people will come here. When I came here last night and I saw the parking lot almost filled, 
and I saw all of these different descript these different people coming in and uh, I saw Elder Mitchell coming up and preaching up a storm and I'm seeing the reaction of the people I said wow you know they really have something good going here and I believe the Lord will bless you but one of the things that I have to warn you about and what I have seen in my short years in this earth, you know, we have a growing population right now. The greatest population that ever existed on this earth is the population between 15 to 30. Uh, some actually goes back to a little, you know, to 12 or what have you. But within this age range, this population, they call it the IY generation. It's the largest population that ever existed in the world. There are more of them than all the baby boomers put together. Right? I'm talking a growing population. And this is the population to win. This is the future of the church. And I will always say this. This is the future of the church. And we need to have Bible workers within this population. We need to have young people. I see this young man standing here. And I was saying, hey, there is a young man, young man among the midst. I said, that's great. We need to start duplicating ourselves. We need to start mentoring ourselves. We need to take the, the older folks. We need to start taking some of the younger ones and say, let me show you how. Come with me. You see, that's the next generation. Because if we don't do this, you know what happens eventually in the next 60 years? We'll be waiting for the Lord to come and resurrect some of us. But the work must go on. And so for 38 years, this has been going on. And we pray that un until the Lord comes, that this will continue on. Amen? And so as we look here, the Lord told them, Take neither purse, nor script, nor shoe. Salute no man on the way. You are about God's business. I want you to be focused. I want you to be like the man of God in 1 Kings chapter 13. The Lord told that man of God, I want you to do a couple of things. You have a message to bring, and I want you to walk in one direction. Do not turn around. Do not stop and fellowship. Don't waste time. Time is running out. I want you to continue on. And that man of God continued on and continued on until he was deceived by a false prophet. Don't be deceived by false prophets on the way. God is calling us into this work to accomplish a great, great work. And if we just allow him to lead, if we just allow him to lead in our lives, can you just imagine what we will experience? Amen? And so we see here now in Jesus sending the 70 out and they're going out. And, but after he does that, the disciples go out. The disciples go out. And we see that in Mark chapter 6. That he sends the disciples out, give them a similar command. And the disciples, they go out. The 12, they go out and they prepare the field. 
But even so, they come back and they say, like even the demons we have power over. And the sick, we were uh, able to heal them by your name. And all of these things, they, they were so excited because they never experienced this before. Can you imagine what you can experience today if you can enlist in service? If you could join the service and just allow God to just gift you with the gifts that he wants to give you and send you out? Can you imagine? Great things. I am so optimistic about that. In the book, uh, this book that uh, I read by George Knight, a wonderful, interesting book. I, in fact, I, I took it here because I wanted to show uh, you all. It's a book that I encourage everyone to read. It's a book of our history, A Search for Identity, The Development of the Seventh-day Adventist Belief. This is an amazing book. It pulls together. shows us all of the, 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 the development of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right throughout uh, time until now. But it says something in the book here that was very intriguing to me. It says that the Seventh-day Adventist is a prophetic movement. It's a prophetic movement. Uh, this is just some, they like to compare the Seventh-day Adventist church to the Catholics. Uh, they like to compare us to the Baptists. They like to compare us to the Jehovah Witness, the Mormons. But let me tell you, they're in, in no category. There, there is no category that, that we can be compared to because this is a movement. This is a movement. It is, it is not static. It is not static. And what we have to understand behind this is that the Seventh-day Adventist is a prophetic movement with a prophetic message. And it has a prophetic mission behind it. And as, so as we see in this, it's interesting that uh, we see the, the outline, I guess, if you want to break down my message, it will be, we got to have that message. the Messiah. We have to understand, in all of this, the message must go forth with strength and power. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter uh, four, 24, verse 11 to 14, it says, many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, the love of many shall be what? Wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. The same shall be saved. But there's a promise that is given to us. It says this gospel, this gospel, this truth, this message, the message that we preach, 
the message of Jesus and his love, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached, shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. It must be preached to all nations. It must be to all nations. I remember a few months ago, I went to visit the Morrises. And uh, Brother Morris, you know, as an eager host, he took me around and showed me his home and all of that. But the most intriguing part of his home is when I went to his backyard. And he took me up some flights of steps and all of that into a little wilderness in his backyard. And we got to this rise and he showed me a view of the city. Do you remember that? And he showed me the view of the city. There was a Mormon church that was, you know, competing to block the view, but we saw the city behind. And in that city, I was thinking, these gamblers, these prostitutes, these individuals, they need the Lord. But who is going to bring? Who is going to bring the message to them? The Bible is telling us that this gospel must be preached. It must be preached to everybody, to all nations. Everyone must, it must be preached. And it tells us after this, then the end shall come. The question is, how do we preach? That's the thing. How do we preach? I know some of you say, okay, I have to bring my visitors to church and everything, and you think that the preaching is just from this desk. But let me tell you something. The preaching is beyond all of that. I was reading in Desire of Ages, page 152, it says, we are not to renounce social communion. Seventh-day Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists, please wake up. I know that the time is for a spend, but wake up. If you see your neighbor that is sleeping, I know you traveled a long way, just nudge them. Wake up. We are not to renounce social communion. We should not seclude ourselves from others. We should not hide from those Jehovah Witnesses that comes knocking at the door. Uh, when you see these guys in the black suits and the name tag, right, coming to your door, entertain them and have your Bible dust off and ready. Be ready. Be ready. We should not seclude ourselves from others in, in order to reach all classes. We must meet them where they are. We must meet them where they are. And I wish um, Gary was here, you know, but uh, some of us, uh, we went down to First Friday a few um, months back, right? You know what First Friday is, right? It's a big party. They have every First Friday, they have that big party down every first Friday down at Fremont Street. And it's a party experience. Everybody, you have all of these guys. And so uh, they, they, we went down to scout the area to give out tracks and so forth, right? 
But I tell you, it's, it's, it's a great challenge because sometimes, you, you know, we are afraid to even lose our people, our young people, right? But we all gathered together. We went down. The Bible tells us and, and what we are told in this pen of inspiration here that we must meet the people where they are. But what we try to do, we pick certain communities that we go and knock on doors, you know, because, you know, you know, um, we don't want to come and minister around Jay and Doolittle. After all, they had um, how many shootings? I think about uh, within the last six months, they probably had about four shootings in this area, right? Uh, this is a drug-infested area. This is the ghetto, right? And, and so, and so um, I heard the minister last night talking about black flight. I never heard about black flight before, but I got it, right? You know, we, we heard about white flight in the inner cities, the communities and everything where the blacks move in and the whites move out. But then I understood what he's saying based on our previous conversation. The fact of the matter is that when the affluence, you know, and the education level of the, the blacks increase, we flight, we run away, right? We run away. We don't stay to make a change in the ghetto. And so the ghetto keeps going down. But there's no change, right? But God has placed us here. I know there are some people that talk about, you know, um, after all, this church has uh, accomplished great leaders. You know, we have reached a certain economic level. A certain affluence and so therefore we must seek new pastor greener pastors let's look for green land where we can relocate the abundant life SDA church let's take the church out of the ghetto let's go to Summerlin Let's go to Providence, or maybe we should relocate to Henderson. You know, some of those places, right? I remember the church that I was, my first church that I was the associate pastor, it was in the richest, richest area of Montreal, and a place that's called Westmount Seventh-day Adventist Church. And that church was going down. I think the Baptists owned it. And that church was on the decline. It was just some old folks in the church. The young people had basically gone. And uh, uh, that church was like a plane that was going down. Mayday, mayday, mayday. And they did not want that church to go to developers and for them to make condos out of it. And so they called the Seventh-day Adventists. And they said, we have a proposition for you. We would like you to buy our church. And we will accept an offer of $50,000 for the church. Needless to say that this is a multi-million dollar church, right? And so there was an exchange made, a purchase for $50,000. It angered the developers and some of the rich folk because they were eyeing that territory. 
and they wanted to occupy that. But what I'm getting, the point I'm getting to, we were able to get into that area and we were, we, that was about what, 20 something years now, ministering in the richest area. But one of the things that we realized that we didn't even know to minister to these guys. We didn't upscale our game. We didn't assimilate to the community. And it's very important for us to understand, even if we are found in the rich areas, we have to be able to reach them on their level. Jesus did it. Jesus was able to talk to the Pharisees. He was able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them from 12 years old, remember, right? Jesus was able to do that. But Jesus is also able to minister to the middle class. He was also able to get down in the dust and sit down in the dust and minister to the poor. That was Jesus. He ministered to everyone, whether you are black or white, whether you're Jew, whether you're Haitian, Jamaican, whether you are African-American, Canadian, wherever you came from, Jesus is able to reach you. Amen. I'm going to steal a quote from the pastor last night, and I really loved that, where he said the whole, and I, it was like, it was like an aha moment, where you said, pastor, the idea that, you know, the culture, we, what was your statement exactly? You said that the, I had it written down. Let me, let me, <laughs> let, let me take, let me take it there. Let me take it because, huh? change your character, but not the culture. Change your character, but not the culture. And I, saw, I said, wow, that was just summed up beautifully. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. But what we try to do, we come and we roll up our sleeves and we want to change people. We want to change and we want to say, hey, you need to start acting this way. We want, you need to start dressing this way, right? Uh, you, you need to start, you know, that walk that you have, that's a ghetto walk. You have to walk like... And so what we try to do, we try to tinker with people's mind, brainwash people. And God is not into that. He wants you. He wants your mind. He wants a relationship with you. And so what we got to understand in all of this is that when Jesus came down, he wants to commune with us. He wants us to get to know him. But what we have been doing, we have been hiding ourselves for years. And this is why I think this Bible Instructor's Guild is so powerful. This guild, through this means, you can break down walls. Through this means, it will show us how to get into homes and how to minister to, with, to people in all classes of society. Amen? So Jesus, he reached the people where they are. They will seldom seek us on their own. We need to go, not alone from the pulpit, our hearts of men touched by the divine truth. It is not in the pulpit. This is just, I always tell people, this here is 5% of my job. 
5% of my job. While many pre preachers, they believe that this is it. They spend all week working on this while people are dying in the hospitals. While people, they just want to have a visit from the pastor. I went yesterday and visited the oldest woman in Vegas. You know her name, right? Sister Cisco. And it was just a joy sitting down with her, and she ministered to me, and we ministered to others and all of that. And I realized, I said, this is where the ministry is. It's not in the pulpit. It's on the streets. It's in the city. We have to be able to reach out in these areas. And, and so what we got to understand, it is not in the pulpit. There is another field of labor. Humbler it may be, but fully, full of promise. It is found in the homes of the lowly, in the mansions of the great, in, at the hospital board. Uh, it is in the gathering of innocent social enjoyment. This is where the action is, everybody. But what we have been doing, we have been hiding ourselves from that. Do you know it's possible to go down and minister in the casinos. I remember I was in a tour and I was touring uh, some people. I was, you know, I seldom go down there. This is, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm just learning the, the ropes. And I, and I was on a tour and I saw this lady. She was barely alive. And she was sitting at the, this, I don't know what you call it, this spinning things. And she was, you know, Slot machines, okay, thank you very much. And, and this lady, you know I, I, you know, I went up to her, I said, you know, um, would you like me to pray for you? Would you like me to pray for you to win something? <laughs> I, I, and, the, and the woman, she said, really? I, yeah. I said, I, I am, I'm a pastor. I, I, would you like me to pray? And, and she turned red. <laughs> As if, you know, I would, there was some judgment call, you know, and I, and I said, I would, I, you know, and, and we, I said, no, 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 I'm just, you know, and, and the lady was just so, I mean, engaged in this, and I said, okay, no, no, I, I don't mean you any harm, I was just jesting here, you know, but I realized some people are so caught up in this thing, caught up, but we could minister, like, I just ministered to this lady in in an indirect way. In an indirect way. Another time we went to um, the, I was told that they have the best buffets in the casinos. Dr. Rock told me that. <laughs> and, and, and he took me on a tour, I think it was called the Sunrise Casino. Right? Our Sun Coast, Sun Coast, Sun Coast, Sun Coast. And so we went to the Sun Coast, and I mean, it was, it, it was the buffet was really great, right? And so um, I make it um, a point whenever I have a guest, I said, you know, the price is right, you know, let's go to the buffet. But we got to walk through the casino to get. So we walked through. So I had some guests. Now, Sister Renee had given me some um, $100 bills, $50 bills, and you know these uh, tracks on the other side, right? 
and, and so we, 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 you know, my, my guests and myself, you know, my wife and so forth, I said, you know, let's try something, you know. So I had these, these monies in my pocket, and as I walked, I made one slipped out, you know, and another one and another one. Now, money, bills, dollar bills, $100 bills in casinos, can you imagine the reaction, right? So let that thing drop out and, and then went off to the corner and I looked and I noticed the reaction. I even saw this man just as we got out of the buffet, we dropped a bill and the man saw that it dropped from my pocket. And I saw the man, he scurried over. <laughs> and I'm looking at this man and he's, you know, and he picked it up, went back into line, <laughs> and I saw him just... <laughs> and he walked on. And he walked, went in, into the restaurant, into the buffet, and as uh, we were saying to ourselves, can you imagine his surprise? He's going to open up and he's going to see the word of God. <laughs> I tell you something, right? We need to learn to minister in different ways. And I believe that we are called to not just use the same old method. We got to spice this message up as long as we keep the foundation. We got to understand that, right? And so the message is key. But another thing we got to realize that it's a movement. Some of us have been sitting still, locked in our pews, in our homes, and we don't realize that this is a movement. You see, what many don't realize that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is a movement. In George Knight's book, he talked about this whole idea that, you know, the, uh, we are in a dynamic movement. It is not a static movement. You see that, you know, this movement adapts to culture. It adapts to people. It adapts to languages. It adapts to nation. In order for us to get the message across, we must adapt we must be like water. We must be flexible. We must allow the Holy Spirit to use us. It is that, that general conference theme in the 90s. It had this, this, this little slogan, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. We must be able to be flexible. We must allow the Holy Spirit to use us. In this book, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm advertising books here, right? Uh, this book, African American Church Growth, 12 Principles for, for, for Prophetic Ministry. Um, we see the author talks about the whole idea that there is a prophetic calling within the African American community. We need to allow the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit to use us. We must be spontaneous. We must allow God to use us. We should not be all scripted. You know, sometimes we go, we're scripted. 
If you have the Holy Ghost in us, Jesus told these 70, he told these disciples, take no script, but allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. If you have a relationship with God, you don't have to go out with script. You don't have to go out with script. Have a prayer in your heart and allow God to use you. Because the truth is, Sometimes we're unprepared and you say, oh, I wish I had that track. It's not necessarily so. You could allow the Holy Spirit. And so we are a part of the movement and we got to understand that God, he is calling all of us and he's calling us to be ready. In the book of Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, we see clearly it tells us that that great multitude, they came out of all nation, kindred, and people, and tongues, right? And all came around the throne of God. And so we see that God is calling everyone out from all these different groups. That means that we would have won them from different groups. And so the movement is key. But please, everybody, don't forget the mission. Whenever soldiers are on a battlefield and they forget their mission, they're dead. As Christians, we are called to stay the course. We are called to focus on the mission. The mission, if we miss the mission, we could lose the battle. No longer do we have missionary volunteers. Harvest and gathering, cow porters. We don't do these things anymore. We, wanna, we want to do things by remote. We want to send an email. But we need that person. The best way is that person-to-person -person connection. Amen? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision... There are many people perishing right now because we have aimless people walking around. They don't understand the mission. They don't understand the vision. We don't have it. We lose it. And so where there is no vision, the people perish. We must keep, the last point as I conclude, we must keep the Messiah center to everything we do. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, must be the center of our theology. Yes. Hebrews chapter 13, 5, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as he have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Messiah says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. John chapter 14 verse 16 tells us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Amen? And I leave you with this last quote. Men are needed who pray to God for wisdom. How many of us praying for wisdom? 
Men and women are needed who pray to God for wisdom, who under the guidance of God can put new life into old methods of labor and can invent new plans and new methods of awakening the interests of church members in reaching men and women of the world. We must employ new methods. We must employ new methods. We must understand that God does not want us necessarily to continue down the old path. The principles must remain, amen? And so in our area here, our aim in this church is to target this year and perhaps the next year, 89106. We believe in target evangelism. And so within this zip code of this church, 89106, 94,000, 9,400 people lives in this area. And it is our aim to reach these individuals. We're sending out, we've established a Discover Bible School where we're sending out mass mailing to every homes where they can join our Bible school. They will join our Bible school and they'll go through the lessons. Then after going through the Bible school, they will be able to get acquainted with the truth as it is in God's word. But we're not only stopping there, we're sending out and training our Bible workers to go out into the field. And so today we are so happy to have so many Bible workers here. We are so happy that you will be joining force with us as we head out into 89106, as we knock on doors. And our visitors are, are willing to join. If you're, you, we invite you to join us as we knock on doors, as we tell people about Jesus and his love. I'm telling you, everybody, the time that we think we have, we don't. Time is running out. I just came back from Montreal on Tuesday night. I went there for a funeral of my friend, Levi John. 50-something years old, he died. Bone marrow cancer. But another friend of mine, a 36-year-old strong man, Renal Adam. He was in the hospital. And that very same day after the funeral, I rushed to the hospital to visit him. And upon going into the hospital to visit my friend, I, they gave us good news that, praise God, you know, he is doing so well, you know, and he's going to pull through. And so I went, made some other visits. And around 10.30 that night, I got a call that I have to rush back to the hospital because he is not doing so well anymore. And a few minutes later, I got a call that this 36-year-old man had passed away. In one day, had a funeral in the morning and had to walk in the hospital room of my friend 
and see him lying there dead. The choirs that he was associated with, the groups, they all filed in. And as they came in, I mean, you could just see the reaction. But I remember earlier in that funeral, I was asking one question. And I was walking around my old church and I was asking this one question. And I was saying, who is next? Who is next? Do we have any volunteers? Who is next? Is it you? Everyone's trying to dodge. No, not me. <laughs> who is next? Not knowing that it was my friend, 36 years old. The funeral is on Monday. I can't go back. But church, I want you to know that the time that you think you have, we don't have that time anymore. The Lord is wrapping up this work and whatever state, whatever state you are found in is that state you will remain. And I take this very serious. I'm here from Montreal, Canada and it's not for joke. I believe God has placed us all in here for a mission. And it is for us to depopulate hell. It is for us to stand in this city. And it is for us to proclaim the work of God. The word of God. It is for us to have that message. It is to, for us to join the movement. It is for us to have that mission. And it is for us to have the Messiah's love, the Holy Spirit in our hearts as we win this city for Christ. There may be a visitor in our midst. May, there may be someone that you are not with it. You are not in the fold. And Christ, today, he has a call out. And he's calling individuals to join. He's calling you. And you want to say, Lord, I want to commit my life to you today. I want to give it up. I want to give up this world and all this trapping. And I want to one day be baptized. I want to, I want to be a part of your army today. I'm not going to wait for tomorrow. But today. If this is your wish, I'm asking you to simply raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. You want to join God's army. You want to be baptized. You want to be anointed. You want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to say, today, Lord. Today. I'm making that decision for you. I'm asking you to raise your hand. In fact, I'm not just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to join me here. We want to wrap you in the love of God. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for the anointing of God to be upon your life. Won't you come? You know the Lord is calling you today. He's calling. Come to the Lord.
today is the day. If you hear my voice, the Lord says, do not harden your heart. Young man, young woman, mother, 